Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen Nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says in surah Fatir Thumma awrathna al-kitab al-ladhi istafayna min ibadina Faminhum zalimun li nafsihi wa minhum muqtasid Wa minhum sabiqun bil khayrati bi'ibnillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Then we inherited the book or we gave the book Al-Quran to some of our servants, some of our chosen servants. Some of them, they wronged themselves. They did, they did bad deeds. They didn't carry the book the way it's supposed to be. And some of them, they were in the middle. And some of them, they excelled in doing good. They went even beyond what was required. They did more than what was required. And subhanAllah you see this Allah in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He always puts people in groups. Not everybody's in the same basket. When you read Surah Al-Waqi'ah, the first few ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings three groups. The first one is, وَالسَّابِقُونَ السَّابِقُونَ Those who are the foremost, the foremost. The ones in the vanguard, the ones in the front. Then Ashabu Al-Yameen. Good. The people of the right. They did what was required. But they're not in the front. But alhamdulillah, they're Ashabu Al-Yameen. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a third group, Ashabu al-Shimal. And subhanAllah al you see this in everything. Anything that humans do, you'll always see this grouping. Not everybody's always going to be the same. Even in sports, not everybody's going to be the superstar. You have role players, you have people on the bench, you have people who are just in the league. And you have people who are, they, they start. You have people who, they start but they're all-stars. You have superstars, you have Hall of Famers. In business, you have people who make good money, Enough to get by. You have people who make six figures, millionaires, billionaires. Anything that humans do, you'll always see this division. Is it one place? No, it's levels. Some people will be in the top of the Jannah. Some people will be in the middle. Some people will enter hot fire and eventually will get to Jannah. One of the things that is the defining factor, there are many factors why this is. One of the things that makes human beings different is Al-Himmah. What the ulama they call al-himmah, having a motivation, having a high desire. And subhanAllah al if you read the biographies of the people who came before us as salaf, especially and particularly as sahaba, you'll see that. When the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the last year before he passed, he made hajj. They say during that hajj, because after, after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he migrated to Medina, eight years after he conquered Mecca. So in the eighth year, the Prophet Muhammad wasallam conquered Mecca. And the people in the Arabian Peninsula, all the tribes, they were waiting to see who's going to win. Prophet Muhammad wasallam or Quraysh, to see who's going to come on top. When they saw that the Prophet Muhammad wasallam came on top, then they started entering Islam in waves. You have tribes after tribes coming and pledging allegiance to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. So in the ninth year, they called Aam al-Wufud. So after that, during that year, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he sent Abu Bakr. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Surah Tawbah. Saying that no more mushrikeen in, in Al-Haram. From now on, only, mush, only Muslims can make tawaf. And nobody can make tawaf naked. Yani to, the rules of hajj. So the ninth year, Abu Bakr went and led the hajj. To prepare the, for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam to come in the tenth year to make the, the farewell hajj. The point is, during that Hajj, 
They say that there was 100,000 people who attended the Hajj because people knew the Prophet was coming. So they all prepared to go to Hajj. So you had 100,000 companions. Now, if I ask you guys right now to name some companions, can anybody here name some companions? Man, a few, right? Do you can we name all hundred thousand here? No, we only remember a few, not all of them. And even of the amongst that we know, maybe we know 10, 15, 20 out of a hundred thousand people who were there. Why is that? Because they excelled, they went beyond, they did more than what was required. They had al himma. We have 10 companions, even the companions, they're separate. The ulama, they say, out of the companions, the best companions are the ten who are given Jannah. Abu Bakr, we'll ask this inshallah, after, when we do the interaction inshallah. The ten, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, Az-Zubayr, Sa'an al-Qas, Talha ibn Ubaidullah, Abu Ubaidah, and the last one, Sa'id ibn Zayd. Ten. So the ulama, they say these are the best ten companions. Then they say after that, the people of Badr. Then the people of Hudaybiyah. The point is, there's a hundred thousand companions that we all know a few. And one of the reasons is they had this high, they had himma, they had ambition. They weren't satisfied just getting by. Just five pairs, alhamdulillah, I'm good. I do zakah, that's 2.5, alhamdulillah, I'm good. I fast Ramadan, khalas. I made hajj once, that's, that's, that's all I need. They went beyond. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you can do, there's nothing wrong with that. Like we're talking about getting to a higher level. You see a lot of, a lot of a hadith where people will come to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they'll say, with hadith Abu Ayyub, where a Bedouin came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, akhbirni bi'amalan yudkhiludul jannah. He said, Oh Rasulullah, tell me of an action that will get me into, into a jannah. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ta'abudullah, la tushiku bi shay'ah. Worship Allah and don't commit shirk. And perform the salah. And do zakah. And keep the ties of kinship. In another narration, he said, When the man heard this from the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he said, Wallahi, Wallahi, I won't add more than this and I won't do less. What the Prophet Muhammad say? If he's correct and this is all he does, then he's, alhamdulillah, he's successful. So there's nothing wrong with, with that. But the, the companions, the people who you remember are the ones who always go beyond. They have al-himma. وَلِذَلِكَ One of the best examples is Abu Bakr. The best companion. When the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he told the companions that in al-Jannah, there will be different doors that people enter from. One of the doors of al-Jannah is al-Rayyan. For the people who fast. There will be a door for jihad. A door for the people who zakah. Then Abu Bakr radiallahu he stood up, he said, Oh Rasulullah, look at Abu Bakr. He said, Oh Rasulullah, is there somebody who will enter from all eight? <coughs> is there somebody who will be able to do everything to get into all eight doors? The Prophet Muhammad said, Naam. But notice his question. He didn't say, Which door can I go through? He said, Can I do all eight? Look at the desire that he had. To the point that Umar, who the companions, they used to know that Abu Bakr and Umar, they're special. To the point that they used to say that, Ja'a Rasulullah sallallahu Abu Bakr and Umar. The Prophet came and Abu Bakr and Umar. The Prophet left and Abu Bakr and Umar, they're always together. So the, the companions, they knew that Umar and Abu Bakr, they're, they're, they're special. 
And Umar radiallahu anhu, he used to compete with Abu Bakr. He wasn't happy just being number two. To the point that he, he used to say that today I will surpass Abu Bakr. And he used to go and he tried to, the story goes, he tried to help a woman and she said somebody already came. Later on he figured out that's Abu Bakr. So the, the, the point is that they used to compete in good deeds. They weren't just happy just being where they're at. And one day the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after Salatul Fajr, he stood up and he asked the companions, فَهَلْ مِنْكُمْ الْيَوْمَ تُطْعِمْ مُسْكِينَ Was there somebody today who fed a poor person? Abu Bakr said, Ana. Then the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam asked him, this is Fajr by the way, not Isha, Maghrib, this is Fajr. So before Fajr he did all this. Is there any of you who followed Janazah? Abu Bakr said, Ana. He said, is there any of you who gave Sadaqah? Abu Bakr said, Ana. Is there one of you who visited a sick person? Abu Bakr said, Ana. All in one day. And Abu Bakr, he already has a status. And he, but he still wants to increase. Why? Because he has this himma, this, this desire to do great. And subhanAllah al-Adeem, when you read the biographies of the, the Sahaba, At-Tabi'een, and those after him, you'll see they did amazing things. And the only way that you can imagine that somebody would go through all of this, to the point that they're ready to die, is this motivation. Because they know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised them a reward. And they're certain, they're certain about that. To the point that Ali radiallahu anhu, he used to say, if I saw Jannah and not a friend of me, it wouldn't increase my iman. Because he believes in it so much already that seeing it doesn't even affect it. His iman was that strong. So they knew the, pro the promise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised them. And this carried their himmah. This carried them to do things that, if you think about it and you sit, you, you can't even imagine. The stuff that they would do in the battles. That they would race to see that who would be the most brave. Who would protect us? Who would protect Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam? When it came to zakah, when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was asking for donations for Ghazwat Tabuk, because Ghazwat Tabuk was the first time the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is after he conquered Mecca. He was going to fight the Romans, and the Romans they're not close. It's a far distance, and it's the summer, and in the, in, in the Arabian Peninsula, the summer is not like our summer. It's very hot. So they don't have enough supplies. The enemy's an empire, a huge army that you're gonna fight. So they needed a lot of donations. So the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam started to ask for donations. So again, Umar, he said, today I will surpass Abu Bakr. And he said, I will bring half of everything I own. Imagine you go to your bank account, and whatever is in your account, you take half of it. He said, I'll take half of everything I own, and I'll donate it to Ghazwat Tabuk, the Prophet Muhammad So Umar, he brought half his wealth. Abu Bakr, not to be one-up, he brought all his wealth. SubhanAllah Ali. And that, to that day that Umar radiallahu said, no more, I won't keep you with Abu Bakr again. Khalas, I can't, I can't match him. Imagine going to your bank account and taking all the money out right now, whatever's in your account, and donating it. How much iman do you have to have to know that Allah SWT is going to take care of you? To the point that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu even told him, leave something for your family. And leave some money for your family to take care of your family. He said, I left with them Allah and His Messenger. SubhanAllah To that extent. Why? Because he has his himmah. Where Uthman radiallahu anh, he donated so much money to that ghazwa that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, ما يضر Uthman اليوم أبدا. Like after today, Uthman, nothing will harm him. And Uthman can do no wrong after today. He, he, he equipped the army so much that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave him 
this, this, uh, this honor. That khalas, nothing he can do after today will harm him. Why? The, the point that I'm trying to drive home is that you have to have this desire. Don't be like anybody in the street. Yani you pray your five prayers, khalas. You read, every day in salah. You read, Naam, your salah is valid, your salah is accepted, but you should strive to do more. Yani add a rawatib, add sunnah al fajr. Pray the 12, pray witr. Witr is something that, subhanAllah, nowadays is abandoned. Walidhalik Imam Ahmed, he used to say, if I see a man who never prays witr ever, I won't accept the shahada. To that extent, he never, he abandons witr completely. He says, I will, not, I will not accept the shahada. So try to add these things. Don't just be like everybody else on the street. Don't be a regular person. Walidhalik Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, he blames the Jews when he says, Walitajidannahum ahrasan nasi ala hayah. When we talk about Bani Israel, he says, you'll see them that they're the most eager to live. Meaning just to live any life. They just want to live. They want to live any life as long as they're alive, they're okay. You shouldn't be like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is blaming them for that. You should live a life that's worth living. A life where you strive for things. Not just you do the bare minimum. So in a salah, don't, you, five prayers, alhamdulillah, but that's the bare minimum. Try to add sunnah al-watib. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, whoever prays 12 sunnah will have a house in Jannah. Each day you pray those 12 sunnahs. Two before Fajr, four before Dhuhr, two after Dhuhr, two after Maghrib, and two after Isha. Combined, I guarantee you it won't take you 10 minutes. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to pray sunnah al-Fajr so quick. Aisha used to say, I used to doubt if he read a surah with Fatih or not. And he used to pray it fast. So it's not, it's not long, you don't, don't think of it as a, a huge thing. 12 raka'at, 5 minutes probably will take you, maybe 10 at most. And what do you get? The house in Jannah. Not me saying it, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying it. As-sadiq al-masluq. Fasting. Ramadan. You can add to Ramadan. Ramadan is the bare minimum. You can, if you can, you do 3 days out of the month. The, the, the ayam will be the 13th, the 14th, the 15th. If you can do more, if you, have, if you have this eagerness, you can fast Monday, Thursday. If you want to do more, and even the Sahaba, they used to ask the Prophet Muhammad To the point that Abdullah ibn Amr al he said, I want to fast every day. The Prophet Muhammad told him, don't, you won't be able to do it for the rest of your life. So he used to fast the Psalm of Dawood. He used to fast one day and break his fast the other day. So have this desire. You don't have to, and, and when I mention these things, don't think that it's going to be tomorrow that you're going to do it. Build up. Maybe one day you pray two rak'ahs of before Fajr. Then the next month, maybe you add two more rak'ahs. And inshallah, when you, when you get to your lifetime, you have all these and it will be a habit for you. These 12 rak'ahs will be a habit. Fasting three days a month will be a habit for you. Giving charity, giving sadaqah will be a habit for you. Don't just necessarily think that tomorrow I gotta change all this. If you memorize the Quran, try to finish. Try to, if you finish Quran, try to get the meaning. If you know the meaning, try to apply more of the Quran. Ponder on the Quran. Don't just be happy with I'm better than this person, or I'm better than so-and-so. But the Prophet Muhammad said, in your dunya, look to those who have blessed you. For your akhirah, you look to those who are higher than you. When you think about your deeds, say, SubhanAllah, I wish I had memorized the Quran like this brother. SubhanAllah, this brother, every time they ask for donations, he's always donating. Inshallah, if I have money, I'll be like this brother. MashaAllah, this brother, he's seeking knowledge. Inshallah, one day I'll be, I'll be like that. Don't say I'm better than this guy. This guy's even pray. This guy's in the club. At least I come to the masjid. 
this is a bad attitude to have. And it'll keep you complacent in where you are in life. Every ibadah you'll notice that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the obligatory and He gives us the mustahab. Every ibadah you can think of. Any ibadah you can think of, there's obligatory and there's mustahab. Obligatory for the people who they just wanted the bare minimum. Well, mustahab for those like as-sabiqoon, as-sabiqoon. Those who want to add. And there's many benefits for that. Not only that you'll get the reward, but also if you do extra, if you are like a sabiqun, a sabiqun, you, you get two benefits. The first is that it'll keep you firm on the, on the obligatory. Somebody who prays 12 rak'at sunnah, it's very unlikely, it could happen, that he'll stop praying altogether. It's very unlikely, it's, it might be possible, but it's very unlikely that a person who prays witr, he prays sunnah after every salah, one day he's going to stop. He'll decrease a little bit. Maybe he'll stop paying one sunnah. It'll be like a safeguard. Maybe he'll stop paying another sunnah, another sunnah. But it's very unlikely that he'll leave everything off at one time. But a person who does the bare minimum, if he falls off or he's not doing well, then khalas, he's outside the obligatory. There's no safe zone. Another thing is, it'll make the, it'll make the ibadat easier. It'll make it easier to do it. Because a person who prays a lot, it becomes more common to him. It's not something out the norm. While a person who just does the bare minimum, it's already a struggle for him to pray. Yani you notice that the people who usually do the bare minimum, at best they usually pray late in salah. Most of the time they don't come to the jama'ah. But a person who persists in a, on a sunan, you'll notice that he is, the other ibadat, they're very easy to him. Rarely you see somebody who prays salah that he does nothing else. Usually he'll give sadaqah, he'll do other acts. The whole point is, is that you have al-himmah. And al-himmah, it has many benefits. One of the things is, it'll help you when things are difficult. وَلِذَلَكَ the poet, he says, وَلَوْلَا الْمَشَقَّةِ سَادَ النَّاسُ كُلُّهُمْ الْجُودُ يُفْقِرْ وَالْإِقْدَامُ قَتَّالُهُ That if it, if it wasn't for difficulty, everybody would be great. الْجُودُ يُفْقِرْ The person who's so generous, well, how come everybody's not generous? How come nobody gives all their money? Because you're going to be broke, and people are afraid of this. How come people are not so brave? How come everybody's not running out to be brave? Because if you're so brave, there's a chance, there's a high chance you're going to die. So there's these barriers in life that prevent you from being great. How do you get past these barriers? With al-himmah. And the way to have al-himmah is to increase your iman. And to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises you great rewards for what you do. To, get it, to make it more practical, one of the things that you, is very important that you should at least take home when you leave today is that you need to have a vision for what you want to do. Every one of us, we shouldn't just live our lives day by day. Yani, we wake up, what are your friends, what's the move for today, what are we going to do, what's the plan, you see what your friends are saying, what are we doing today, don't live your life like that. You're going to notice that when you get older, you're going to see all these days just passed. You wasted so much time just hanging out, playing basketball. Yani, when you sleep, have a plan for the day after. Not only for the day after, have a vision for what you want your life to be. Sit with yourself and, and ask yourself, what do I want to be? Yani, do I want to reach a high level? Do I want to just read Quran? Do I want to memorize Juz Amma or do I want to be a Hafid? Do I want to seek knowledge? 
do I want to be somebody that has a lot of money to give sadaqah with? Or do I want to just get by? And you have this vision for yourself. And you should, like the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, if you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Jannah, what should you ask for? Al-Firdaus. Don't ask Allah just to get you into Jannah. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ask for Firdaus. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be in the highest level. When you plan your life, aim high. Because there's nothing wrong. What's the worst that can happen? If you don't hit it, the person who aims for Firdaus, if he doesn't get to Al-Firdaus, he'll get in the middle. If he actually puts the work in, maybe he doesn't get all the way there, but he'll get in the middle, he'll get close. The person who wants to just barely get into a Jannah, if he doesn't get his goal, he's outside of a Jannah. So when you aim high, there's no harm in that. And the person who aims high, most likely he'll put in a lot of work to get there. And if he doesn't get there, at least he's nearby. Well, the poet, he says, if you endeavor to do something great, don't be satisfied with, with anything other than the stars. Then aim high. If you, do, if you do anything, put your best foot forward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, He says, The people who, who perfect, the people who do good, the people who, who, who do the most. So when you do something, aim high. Aim for the stars, don't aim for less. And he says, Because the taste of death when you're doing something great is the same as dying when you do something petty. At the end of the day, you're going to die, so might as well aim high. There's no, there's no benefit to, to not doing either or. So when you, when you plan out your life, when you sit with yourself, inshallah, coming, if you want to do it Ramadan time, do it Ramadan. But you should sit with yourself and plan for yourself. Don't want to be somebody who just prays the five prayers. Or inshallah, when I get old, I want to be somebody who prays Salatul Layl. Do I want to be somebody who prays a sunan? Do I want to be somebody who fasts? And also, tailor it to yourself. Compare it to yourself. Don't be like anybody else. Not all of us are created equal. People are different in everything. The way we look, the everything. Some of us, Quran is very easy for us. We hear the surah one time, we memorize it. Some of us, praying is easy for us. Some of us, salah is easy, but if we fast, we're in bed the whole day. We can't handle fasting. Some of us, mashallah, we're blessed with business or we're very good with money. We're, comp- we're all, everybody in this room is 100% different. Just like our fingerprint is different, we're all different. We have different things. Some of us are very brave. Some of us are, are very strong. We're different in everything. So when you, when, you, when you think about what you want to do, think about your, what, what you're good at. Are you good at seeking knowledge? Are you good with money? Could you be somebody who support the ummah with fin- financially? Think about this. But the point is, you should have your vision. You should think to yourself, what do I want to do with my life? And don't be satisfied with where you are. Then you can make it more realistic. Set goals for yourself. Be somebody who has goals. Tell yourself, inshallah, if you never memorize Quran, say inshallah, in three years I'll finish the Quran. Give yourself a timetable. I'm going to do five pages, inshallah, every week. Or I'll do five pages every month. The point is not to reach the goal, but at least you have this mindset that I want to do something. You're not waking up every single day and you have no idea what your life is, where your life is headed. You have no idea what you want out of life. You have, you're just living your life day to day. You shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have this mindset. You should be like a Sahaba. You think Abu Bakr, he slept the day before and then he said, oh, there's a Janazah, let me follow it. Oh, there's a Miskeen, let me... He, he's, the day before he knew everything he's going to do. That's how you achieve that level. So for yourself, you should think to yourself, what, am I, what do I want? What do I want to do? If you're in school, what should I major in? What's the best... What, what am I good at? What can help the ummah the most? Quran, salah, zakah, every aspect of your life, try to have goals. Whatever you're doing, try to have goals. Don't just do it haphazardly. 
Like wasting your time. Then you have your plan. You have your plan. How do you, you put your goals and inshallah you go how to get to each step. And one of the best ahadith for this for these issues is when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Ihris ala ma When the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, strive to that what benefits you. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he didn't say do what benefits you. He said, Ihris. Yani go all in. Yani strive to what's beneficial. Ihris ala ma billah. And seek help in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once you do everything in your possibility, it's important that you have tawakkul. Why? Because there's a high chance that you're not going to get everything right away. There's a high chance that you, it's going to be hard at the beginning. And you think that if you, مثلاً, you go to learn Quran, the first day you're going to finish with Amma, or it's going to be a breeze, usually it's the opposite. Usually the first time you start something new, it's the hardest. Then you build up. Then slowly, slowly, slowly you get better. But you have to get past that first hurdle. That's why the Prophet ﷺ says, وَاسْتَعِنْ billah. Seek up in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't depend on yourself. Always remember they have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with you. Wala ta'jaz. And don't be, yani don't be lazy. Don't be, be somebody who's unable to do things. Yani give it your all. Don't give it 20%. Don't give it 30%. Yani go all in. Wala ta'jaz. Wala taqul. And if it doesn't work out, لو أني فعلت كذا لكان كذا وكذا. If I did so and so, this would have happened. Don't have this regret. فَإِنَّ لَوْ تَفْتَهُ عَمَلَ الشَّيْطَانِ Because low opens the actions of shaitan. يعني the shaitan is gonna keep you, keep you regretful. You're gonna have this 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 heaviness in your chest. And all of us, we've had something in our life that we probably regretted. We've all had a, maybe it was school. Maybe you wish you did better in school. Maybe you wish you took an opportunity. Maybe you wish you got a job. Maybe you wish you married that person. Something you regret. Everybody has something that they regret. Don't have this attitude where you keep saying if, if, if I did so and so. If I did such and such. Because shaitan, he'll use that to make you regretful. Then what's going to happen? You're going to have so much regret, you're not going to act. You're going to be so sad that you're not going to act. So don't have this. وَلَا تَقُلْ لَوْ أَنِّي فَعَلْتُ كَذَا لَكَانَ كَذَا وَكَذَا وَلَكِنْ قُلْ قَدَّرُ اللَّهَ مَا شَافَعَلْ If things go your way, alhamdulillah. If things don't go your way, قَدَّرُ اللَّهَ مَا شَافَعَلْ and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He'll deal with you to the best of your ability. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in many places in the Quran, He says, Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the best of your ability. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't deal with you unjustly. If you can do something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will deal with you in that sense. If you can't, if it's out of your ability, if it's out of your power, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't hold you accountable. The point is that you have to have al-himmah. And to make things easier, you need to have your vision. When you have your vision, you set your goals. And then when you have, you know what you want to do, then inshallah you sit down and you come with a plan to do it. And if you have that, inshallah after a year, two, three, four years, wallahi, you'll see yourself as a different person. If you go with that two, three, four years from now, you'll be a completely different person. You can go for, from somebody who never opened the Quran in his life to a hafiz in two, three years, easily, if you said that. You can go from somebody who doesn't have a lot of money to having a successful business in three, four, five years. But if you just go with your life day to day, it's going to be very hard for all of a sudden, oh, you're going to wake up, oh, I'm a millionaire. It's not going to work like that. Or you're going to sleep and then one day wake up, oh, I'm a half of the Quran. It's not going to work like that. It takes days of effort and planning. And subhanAllah al-Azim, 
A lot of the Qur'an is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us about al-Jannah. A lot of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many times do you hear in the Qur'an? Jannatin tajri min tahtihil anhar. How many places do you hear that? A lot. To the point that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he used to describe al-Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even describes the women in al-Jannah for the, for the people who enter al-Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he describes that the buildings of Jannah are made with bricks of gold and silver. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the smell of al-Jannah. Khitamuhu misk. Allah talks about al-Jannah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about adab al-Nar. Yani al-Nar, the, the torture of Nar. That Nar is closed dome. That there's iron pillars. That there are people who are being tortured. He goes into so much detail about Jannah and Nar. Why? To give you this framework. So that you'll know that you'll be moved, you'll be motivated. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just say do good because it's good. You do good and this is for you, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you. If you do evil, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you. Why? To motivate you. To show you that it's real. To show you this vision. That if I do good, that if I obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the way He wants, I'll have exactly this. Exactly this. My house will be like this. The woman will be like this. It's going to smell like this. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu will be your neighbor. These, these, high, yani, these high visions Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. That Jannah is something that no eye has ever seen. That no ear has ever heard. That no mind can either fathom. Why? To show you that it's real. To push you, to motivate you. So, al-muhim is that you have al-himmah. That, you, that, you, that you're an achieving person. You're not somebody who lives their life day to day. And one thing that'll help with this is that you should, inshallah, read the biography of those who came before us. Especially and particularly as Sahaba. Start with the biography of Abu Bakr. Start with Umar, Uthman, Ali, as Sahaba, at Tabi'een, Mus'ab ibn Umayr, Hamza. With that, Abu Hanifa, he used to say that one biography of a righteous person is better, than, is better to me than a hundred masail of fiqh. Then knowing a hundred issues of fiqh, one biography of one righteous person is better for me. Why? Because when you hear a story of somebody in the, who did it, and it shows you that you can do it too. It shows you, it pushes you, it motivates you. If he did it, he's a human being just like me, I can do it. And if you think about it, a lot of the Quran is this. A lot of the Quran is the story of righteous people. Prophets, Luqman, Maryam alayhi salam, is righteous people. Why? Because it shows you that you can do it too. It gives you a, a path to follow. And don't think you're alone. Don't think that you're the first person who ever lived. People have lived way before you. People have fallen in love. People have had fam, uh, uh, issues with family. People have had issues with friends. People have, have had friends. People have everything. People have had jobs. You're not the first person who ever lived. So the smart person, he's going to follow what happened before. He's not going to reinvent the wheel. He'll go through the blueprint of what happened before him. So this is one thing that will help you a lot. Read the story of the prophets. The story of a Sahaba. See how they overcame their issues. And any issue you can imagine has been there before you. Any issue you can imagine. Family issues, friends, there's been issues. Seeking knowledge, if you want to seek knowledge. If you want to become a businessman. So many people in the Ummah were wealthy. Abdullah ibn Mubarak used to be a billionaire. Compared to t in today's time, he used to be a billionaire. Uthman ibn Affan, wealthy person. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, so much wealth. If, you, if you're somebody who's brave, we have Hamza. We have Umar, we have Ali. If you're one of those people who's brave, we have, we have any type of person you can find. If you're a very shy person, maybe you're not that outgoing, maybe you're an introvert, we have Rathman Affan. Any type of person you can imagine, we have that. 
If you have, if you're somebody that's very firm who who has took a stand, you have Ahmed ibn Hanbal. He's the only person while being tortured, he, he stuck to that the Quran is the word of Allah when they try to make him say the Quran is created. You have many people who've lived, mashallah, in our history that you can emulate, that you can look at their life and say, okay, inshallah, I can do it too. So that's something that's very important. Make sure that you spend your time. You, if you're if you're ever feeling you have a difficult time, you spend your time reading the biographies of those who came before us, starting with the prophets, then a Sahaba, starting with Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, and going forward and forward, inshallah. You want to stop, Umar? Uh, what time do you have to stop? Nine fifteen. inshallah. You want to do, you want to like, uh, bang for Okay, so I feel like I got the point across. Like <laughs> you can do, uh, inshallah, like uh, back and forth. If anybody questions or if you want, just want to discuss. Or we can keep going, inshallah, if you guys want to keep going. What do you guys prefer? Like question. Hmm? question. No. You mentioned, like, memorizing the Quran and stuff. What are the virtues of the one who memorizes the Quran and applies it? The one who memorizes the Quran and applies the it. Of the mm. There's there's many virtues for memorizing the Quran. One of the one of the best virtues is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He said uh, the Prophet tells us that on the day of judgment, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will ask people to recite the Quran, and that each person will stop at the level where he recites. So whatever you memorize the Quran, you recite. And whoever recites, the more you recite, the higher you get. So those who recite the most will be at the highest level. There's specific fada'a to the Quran too. The Prophet Muhammad he says, whoever memorizes Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran, that there will be two lights for him in Al-Qabr. And he says that their parents, they will have crowns like the sun. So Baqarah and Imran, if you memorize Baqarah and Imran, you will have great status. Every ayah, every harf of the Quran that you recite, ten hasanat. And subhanAllah adeem, not even if you, if you, even if you don't understand it. With that, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, وَلَا تَقُولْ أَلِفْ لَا مِيمْ حَرْفِ وَلَكِنْ أَلِفٌ حَرْفِ وَلَامٌ حَرْفِ وَمِيمٌ حَرْفِ And Alif Lam Mim SubhanAllah, if you think about it, it doesn't have a meaning. Al-Huruf al-Muqatta'ah, they're just letters, they don't have meanings. So even if a person recites Qur'an and he doesn't understand what it means, then he will still get the reward. Because the Prophet he said, Alif, Alif harf Lam harf Meem harf There are many benefits. The Prophet he says that whoever recites the Qur'an beautifully, and the way is to be recited, he's with Karam and Barra, he's with Al-Malaika. And there's many, there's many falat al-Qur'an. But the point is, you should have this desire to want to be a hafiz. Even if you don't get there, at least you have some of the Qur'an. At least you'll be the people in the day of judgment that you have some of the Qur'an. وَلِذَلَكَ the Qur'an, the Prophet says, Qur'an is either in evidence for you on the day of judgment, or will be against you. There is no third option. The Qur'an is either for you or against you. So you pick which one you'd rather have. The Qur'an for you or against you? If you want it for you, you give the Qur'an its rights. You recite it as much as you can, as much as you're able to. You apply it, you try to understand it, 
you sit, you ponder with it. Al Quran is one of the, the greatest shafa'at you can have on the Day of Judgment. When you run out of motivation? So alhamdulillah, the motivation, one thing about it is that it's, it's something that will get you started. It will get you through the door. Yani it shouldn't be every day you're not going to be the same motivation. It's impossible. As human beings, it's impossible. Motivation is finite. Yani you're not going to have the same desire when you started, when you finish. That's why in everything you'll see a lot of people get started. And then eventually, few people will start coming. If you've ever, you ever been to a class before, in the masjid, you'll notice the first day of the class, packed. Second day, a little bit less people. Third day, a little bit less. Towards the end of the class, maybe one or two people are left. Why? Because most people at the beginning, they're, they're excited. Okay, we're going to do a book. We're going to start today. We're going to do this. They're excited. Their motivation is carrying them. But the people who last, usually it's not the motivation. So what you do is, you try to just build the habit. Just do as much as you can just to build the habit. And one of the best ways to build the habit is, don't do too much at the beginning. Slowly get yourself there. Don't overwhelm yourself at the beginning. So for example, take the Quran example. If you're just starting Quran, one ayah a day, what's, nothing's wrong with that. Just do one ayah a day. You don't have to fight, you don't have to wake up and just push yourself, let me just do this one ayah. But if you tell yourself, I have to do 10 pages every day, I have to do 10 pages. The first day maybe you'll get it, because you're so motivated. But day three, day four, day 10, day 20, Day 50, are you going to be able to do 10 pages? Probably not. But the person who makes things easy in the beginning, he starts with one ayah, then inshallah after one month he adds two, then 10. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you start with the person who has 10 pages, and the person who starts with one ayah, if you come back in five years, I guarantee you that the person who started with one ayah a day, he'll be ahead of the person who started 10. The person who started 10 will probably end up burnout, then start again, maybe he'll have motivation after three months, then he's going to start from the beginning, then he's going to burn out again. But this person is going to be consistent. And if you do something for five years, most likely you're not going to stop doing it again. It's very hard to break a habit that you've been doing for so long. And imagine just one day you say, I'm not going to brush my teeth. So one day you say, I'm done. It's going to be very hard. You do it every day. Sometimes you, you don't even think about it. It's hard to stop, right? So you try to, as your best you can to get past that. The motivation is good, but the motivation gets you in the door. It puts it in your head, like, I want to be this type of person. And I want to, I want to reach that status. But it's not the thing that you depend on for the long term. And that's everything. Quran, if you lift weights, if you've ever been to the gym, you start with the biggest weight the first day you come in, no, you're going to have to progress. Start with 5, 10, 15. Then you're benching 135, then you're benching more. You start maybe 2 reps, 3 reps, 4 reps. That's, that's, how you do, that's, that's how you get anywhere in life. That's why a lot of people, you see businesses, they say 85% of businesses fail the first year. Not the third year, fourth year, the first year. Because everybody's so excited when you start something new, everybody is so excited that'll help you get there. When you start, when people start a diet, they go hard, so hard the first week. They just cut out everything. I'm not gonna eat sugar. I'm comp you've been eating it your whole life. You're just gonna stop one day. But the people who progressively do things gradually and they build up are the people that eventually they succeed. So to answer your question, start small. Don't depend on motivation to do everything for you. Start small. Whatever you want to do, start small. And then inshallah, eventually, gradually, 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 you build the heaven, inshallah. Now. How do you continuously rectify your intention to make sure that, you know, you're on the right path? 
That's a very hard, that's a very hard thing to do. That's something you're going to struggle with your whole life. وَلِذَلِكَ سُفْيَانَ الثَّوْرِ He used to say, مَا عَالَجْتُ شَيْئًا أَشَدُّ عَلَيَّ مِنْ نِيَّتِي He said, I never struggled with anything in my life more than my niyyah. Every day is a struggle for me. It's, it's something that's very hard for you to do. And he used to say that it just changes. Like some, some days you'll be some serious, somebody will praise you and it makes you feel good. You have, human beings are naturally like that. They want to be recognized for what they do. So it's something that's going to be very difficult. One of the tabi'in, he said, he said, I met 30 of a sahaba. Each one of them feared that he was munafiq. Every sahaba that he met, he met many sahaba. Each of them thought, maybe I'm munafiq. Maybe I'm doing the show off. And it's something that's going to be very difficult. And the fact that you ask that question, it's a good sign. It shows you actually care about it. While the munafiq, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about this. He just does. He just acts. He just wants to be seen. The fact that you have this struggle, alhamdulillah, it shows that you're on the right track. So this is something that you're going to have to struggle with your whole life. It's not, I'm sincere today, I'm good. Every day, every time you do something, you have to renew your intention. You have to make sure that your intention is good. You have to just sit and think. Why am I doing this? Who is this for? And how am I doing it? Am I doing it the way that's properly done? And one thing that will help you with this is you should have certain actions that nobody knows about them except you. That only you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know them. One, pick one or two things. Maybe you give, maybe you sponsor an orphan that nobody knows. You never told your friend. Your, nobody knows. Only you and Allah. You pray, maybe Salatul Layl, whatever is asleep. Only you and Allah know. Have one or two actions like that. And Alhamdulillah, it'll keep you sincere and it'll let you know you're sincere because nobody knows about these actions except you. But to answer your question, it's not something that is going to be easy. It's something that it's not going to be today, you're done with it and khalas. It's going to be something you struggle with for the rest of your life. And what will help you is to have one or two or three actions that nobody knows about except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Except you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the best ways to do it is to make istaadah. Like, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us to do. Say, A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim Constantly. Make istaadah from Allah, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from shaitan rajim uh, The brother is asking that when you set your goals and you're going through with your goals, a lot of times shaitan will try to whisper in your ear. Shaitan will try to derail you. So how do you fight that? And one of the best ways to do it is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us. فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ When you read Qur'an, make istiada from Allah. Make istiada in Allah from a shaitan rajim. So you make istiada constantly. Say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ And also, just keep in mind, one thing you also need to keep in mind that a shaitan, that his plot is just waswas. He can't do anything. He can just, this is it. It's weak. It's waswas. So, Keep that in mind also that a shaitan, all he can do is waswas. If you have the motivation, if you're doing the right thing, then it'll overcome this waswas. And thirdly, you do practical things that will make it harder for you to fall off. One thing you can do is you, you, you pick a good a companion. Surround yourself with people who have the same mindset as you. That a person is on the actions of his friend. So if you're somebody who has goals, 
Find somebody who has similar goals. If you go to Quran class, find somebody who attends the same Quran class. If you're a business-minded person, find somebody who's business-minded. And you'll notice in life, people usually find each other like this. And you, you rarely see somebody who's a millionaire and he's hanging around people, random people. Maybe he has one or two friends from his childhood and friends, but usually most of his conversations are going to be about business and anything. Usually it's like that. You see athletes, they usually hang out with other athletes. Even though they never knew each other till high school or college, but when they come to the league, they hang out with the same people because they relate to each other. It's easier for them to live life like that. So whatever you do, try to find people who are like-minded, who have the same goals. If you are people who are unambitious, where every time it's time to pray, you're the friend who says, come on, let's pray. And four people, oh, they're dragging their feet. Eventually, it's going to be hard for you to, like, to, to get excited. It's, everything's a battle. It shouldn't be a struggle. Make things easy for yourself. Make, make if you, whatever, you're, whatever you're planning to do, make it easy. If you go to a certain class, make sure you set your time properly. Make sure you, you have your block open. That no, tell everybody, hey, this is my block for doing this. That your mom is not asking you for to do stuff. Your family is not asking you to do stuff. You're not, you're not easily distracted with other things. So have practical steps. Even if you go to the gym, they say that if you go to the gym, get, if you get your clothes ready before, it's a higher chance that you're going to get to the gym. But if you, everything you do is a battle and a struggle, it's going to be hard every single day to do that. So you, to fight these waswas, you make it easy. So even if shaitan comes with waswas, it's, it's easy for you. It's second nature. Your friends will come in and make it easier. Your routine will be easier for you. You're not fighting every single day. You're not, like, like the brother said, you're not depending on motivation every single day. So those are a few things that you can do, inshallah. Make isti'ada. Remember, as shaitan, his plot is his waswas. Alhamdulillah, that he made kaidahu said. Alhamdulillah, that he made as shaitan, his plot is just waswas, whispers. Just in your ear, khalas. Just thoughts. You just say, a'udhu billah, they're gone. And thirdly, you make your environment conducive to your goals. If you want to see, if you want to study Quran, find somebody who also wants to finish Quran. Compete with each other. وَلِذَلِكْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he doesn't tell us to compete in anything except Al-Akhirah. Surah Al-Mutafifi And in that, those who compete will compete. The only thing where it's allowed to compete is what? Fil-Akhirah. So you find a friend who is like-minded. Compete with him. He's in this surah. Okay, I'm going to catch him. Like Umar the Abu Bakr. And then you'll see yourself, it'll be fun for you. It won't be work. It won't be every day you're struggling to get there. So inshallah, I hope that answer inshallah. Now. Assalamualaikum. So you're asking that you can't pray at home. And you can't pray outside the house. In this engine, the other day, I was praying outside the house after I got caught. And my mom's uh, friend in the neighborhood, she saw me praying. So I'll probably have like another two days before work gets back to her and I'll be praying outside. I'm so proud. Let's put the, put the Jamal or somebody else here. Okay, the, well, the brother is asking that he, alhamdulillah, he accepted Islam. But he's the only one in his family who accepted Islam. And his family will not allow him to pray inside the house. And he's not allowed to pray outside the house as well. So he's asking, shh. But he's, he prays outside the house, but he, he can't pray outside the house as well. Yeah, that's only, alhamdulillah, for everything else. 
questions, I need to know like how I should move going forward. You know, because it's a situation where it's like it seems like I'm choosing the dean or my family. And at the same time, like I know I always have to choose the dean first. And so it's it really hard at times. And like sometimes the motivation every day is it's just hard to pick like a four, but it's the discipline that keeps me on it. But at the same time, I'm looking at my family and they're using it as something to put me down. I'm just wondering like how should I move forward. I know we can't I can't cut ties, but I know I, I have to keep moving at some point. I can give a general answer, inshallah, but I think Amr, if there's Brother Jamal or somebody can, can prescribe or help the Brother situation now, uh, or give, inshallah. I can give a general answer, but I'll say that, that this issue, you're not alone in it. If you read the story of a Sahaba, many of their families, let alone they didn't let them in the house, they tortured them. Now, many of the Sahaba, they, 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 they dealt with this. Musa ibn Umayr. His mom, she gave him a very hard time after he accepted Islam. And she used to love him so much. To the point that they used to say, like, Musa ibn when he walked by, people used to smell his, his, uh, his scent. He used to wear the best clothes. He used to have the best misk. And he was the best, like, handsome, everything. His mother used to take care of him so much. He was very wealthy. Then when he accepted Islam, she cut off all his money. Nothing left. And she made his life very difficult. But the general answer is, that there is there is no obedience to the creation when it comes to disobeying the, the creator so this is the general rule that if anybody tells you to do something disobey Allah if somebody tells you don't pray even if your mom your dad the president anybody the king if he commands you to do something where you have to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is not allowed to obey them now the obedience is, is lifted. You don't have to obey them. Like in, for your specific situation, I, I can't give a prescription, but inshallah, Brother Jamal, inshallah. Or somebody in the message, inshallah, you can ask, inshallah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask in regards to like uh, seclusion. Like what's the benefits of seclusion? When should one seclude themselves when it comes to progressive in the deen or progress, progressing towards a certain goal that they might have within like, for example, memorizing Quran or becoming a better person in general. So is there anything that you recommend you recommend surrounding yourself with people all the time or should one seclude themselves in order to find out what they really want or should there be a balance between No it, it depends. If if you can find sorry, sorry. The brother's asking that what what's the benefits of seclusion when it comes to achieving your goals? Yani when should you seclude yourself? When should you have companions? What's the benefit of seclusion? So it depends on the, on the action. But generally speaking, if you can find people that will help you, or you can find like-minded companions, generally speaking, then it's better. Even the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he needed companions. He didn't do everything alone. He didn't seclude himself. He used to mix with the people. To the point that Adi ibn Hatim used to say that the Prophet he was the type of person that if a little girl came to him and grabbed his hand, she could take him anywhere she wanted to in Medina. And he wasn't that like, I'm, 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 you know what I mean, I'm, I'm above everybody. He used to mix with the people. To the point that when the people used to come, the Bedouins, they used to say, Ayyukum Muhammad. Which one of you guys is Muhammad? Yeah, and he, they would come and they can't tell everybody apart. He's just like that, he's just like everybody else. So it's better always when you have a goal to find people who are like-minded. But of course, there's certain things you need to include yourself. If you're studying, sometimes you need time alone to think. But it depends on what you're doing 
and how conducive is it to that. But generally speaking, it's always better in anything, not only in Dean, anything. If you go to the gym, if you have somebody who goes to the gym with you, if you have a business partner, if you have somebody who talks to business with you, somebody to get advice, because most things you won't know right away how to do. You need advice, you need people you can talk to, you need people who can help you, you need people who can keep you firm, that will motivate you, that will keep you accountable. If you tell somebody, I have this goal to know my Quran, then if they see you not going, they say, what happened to your goal? They'll, they'll, they'll push you. Or you tell somebody, oh, I'm on a diet, I'm trying to lose weight. Then they see you same size, after two months, and say, what happened? They keep you accountable, right? But if you only have your goals to yourself and you just keep it to yourself, if you don't do it, who knows? You can just, it's all, it's all on you. So it's, it's always better to have, to have people that are like-minded with you that'll help push you. And of course, seclusion, nothing wrong with that. That's why, that's why we have at the kaf. In Ramadan, if you want to seclude yourself, you have at the kaf. You have salat al you pray by yourself. Not in jama'ah, not in the masjid, you pray by yourself. There are certain acts where you need seclusion. If you're studying, if you need time alone to think, if it's better, if it's better for you to, to be alone in that situation, you know yourself. But generally speaking, try to have at least one person that you can have. If you're seeking knowledge, try to find somebody else who's seeking knowledge like you, who goes to the same class. If you're in a class, try to find somebody who you can share notes with, you can discuss the issues with, what do you think about this issue? Test me on this. This is to me read Quran. Have you heard about this companion? Have you heard about this scholar? What do you think about this issue in wudu? It'll help keep your mind going. But if you're just secluded, you're gonna be out of practice. It's like somebody who plays, who, who learns basketball, and all they do is just shoot in the gym by themselves. By the who plays five on five. He plays one on one. He plays three on three. He's used to it, he's practicing. But if you're just secluded and you never use your knowledge, you never recite to anybody, you never discuss any issues, you never talk business except with yourself, then it's gonna be very hard for you to get that extra benefits. So to answer your question, it's always better to have somebody like-minded around you, to have a circle, to have an environment that's conducive to what you do. And when you need to be secluded, you can be secluded, no problem. But look at the issue and look at yourself as well. Now. How do you play with it? How do you pray with it? Yeah. Isn't it like three, three requests? So Salat al-Wutr is, you can pray, so Salat al-Layl is two rak'ahs, you pray two rak'ahs, like Salat al-Subh. Then another two, then another two. Then when you feel that it's time in the morning, you can pray Salat al-Wutr, which is two rak'ahs, and then one extra rak'ah after. You can either pray two or one. Or if you just want to pray Wutr, you can pray two rak'ahs, and then you make taslim, then you stand up and you pay one rak'ah. And you don't have to make dua for Salat al-Wutr. Salat al-Wutr dua is only for Ramadan. So you, and the sunnah, the first rak'ah, you should write, you should recite Surah Al-A'la. Kafirun in the second rak'ah, and Khullallah in the third rak'ah. That's the sunnah of Allah Prophet And it doesn't have to be after you sleep. Anytime after Surah Al-Isha, you can pray Salat Al-Wutr. وَلِذَلَكَ أَبُهُ رَيْرَى The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he saw that he used to be very eager to study hadith. Abu Huraira, he narrated more hadith than everybody. That we have all the companions. And he used to, and he only lived with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for three years. So he accepted Islam for three years and the Prophet Muhammad died. And he kept learning hadith, kept learning, kept learning. He spent so much time with the Prophet Muhammad So he says in one hadith, he says, He says, that my, my best friend, meaning the Prophet Muhammad advised me with three things. One of them was, To pray with it before I sleep. Why? Because he's so busy with hadith that it's, it's better for him to pray before he sleeps then if he wakes up 3 a.m., 2 a.m., then, then he has to wake up, then seek hadith again. 
So you don't have to sleep and pray. That's the best is the third, is the last third of the night. But if you pray after Salah Isha, it's fine as well. Like when you pray two rakahs, then you do one rakah, and dua is not required. It depends. It depends on the person you're talking to. Some people you shouldn't tell them your goals. Uh, they'll be jealous. Sometimes they'll say you can't do that. They bring negativity. You, you're gonna have, you're gonna do this. So some people you don't tell your goals. Some people, if you feel like, any your teachers, your mentors, people you trust, maybe your mom, your family that you feel like if you tell them they're gonna push me, then you should. You, it's better to tell them. And if it's something that's very personal, very private, that you're shy to tell, then you can keep it to yourself, no problem. Like, and usually, if it's something that's not that personal, like, I want to memorize Quran, everybody, everybody, a lot of people have that goal, then you tell people you care about, or people who help you. Or if it's somebody who you feel like is giving negativity, somebody's always bringing you down, don't, don't tell them. And also, a lot of times, people say what they're going to do, and it makes them feel good. Usually, people who talk a lot about what they're going to do, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this one day, I'm going to do this. They rarely achieve their goals. Because it makes you feel good. When you tell somebody, I'm going to do this, I'm going to become a millionaire. You feel so good, like, yeah, I told them. So it, it reduces the motivation a little bit. You feel like you already did something. So you, so you shouldn't be, you should tell them, but don't always say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Act. Action's always better. Show them that you're actually serious. Wow, Abdullah's going to the, Abdullah's going to the masjid again, mashallah, for class. Every day he's going to class, mashallah. Let me help him. You know? And if you have good people around you, they're going to make it easy for you buy your notebook, help you, things like that. So once again, you should look the type of people you're around, the type of goal, and the type of person you are. And don't, if you tell them, tell them once. Don't constantly remind people. Show them more than you tell them. No. Uh, what do you do if you have a friend who's like honesty and everything, but he's just very unmotivated? He's very unmotivated? It depends. If you are the type of friend who's very influential to him, Yani if he, oh sorry, sorry. He, he's, he's asking, what do you do if you have a friend who's, mashallah, he's practicing, he's on his deen, but he's very unmotivated. He's very unmotivated. It depends on the type of, the type of relationship you have with him. Yani if you're the friend that yani you usually lead, he listens to you, he follows you, or if you're a friend who's your more equal, where you guys are on the same level usually. Whatever you do, you, you fight over and you're always arguing and stuff. Depends on the relationship. So you should take that into account. And also look, if it's, gonna, if it's not gonna hinder you, then start yourself. Start yourself. Make time for yourself away from your friend. And once he sees you motivated, most likely he'll inquire if he spends time with you. He'll ask, what are you doing? If you say, oh, you want to come to court? Oh, I'm sorry, I have class. You want to come to court? Or I'm, I, have to, I, have to, I have to pass my Quran. Then I'll come. He's going to ask, okay, why, why does he keep doing that? Oh, he's really taking it seriously. Then he'll ask, inshallah, maybe he'll be motivated as well. And if not, no problem. You can't bring everybody with you. Like we said before, as-sabiqoon, as-sabiqoon. Very few people. Very few people are going to get to that level. So there's nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong with him. No problem. Like, and don't try to bring everybody with you. If you have a goal, don't try to bring everybody. We all have to do it together. Now, you don't, don't, don't let this discourage you. But to answer your question, look at your relationship with him.
If you can advise him, if somebody you have his ear, then that's fine. If not, continue yourself. And inshallah, he'll, be, he'll have that motivation as well. Inshallah. The brother is asking, I remember this guy. <laughs> He's asking, as you continue in your pursuit, how do you eventually protect yourself from al-kibr? And this is similar to what the brother asked about sincerity. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be something that will always be with you, no matter what. Whatever you do, you're always going to feel like you know, you're the man. Once you achieve a goal, you're going to have this satisfaction. <coughs> One of the best things that you can do is just remind yourself of who you are. At the end of the day, you're a human being. Well, Allah and in Hadith Qudsi, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Al-Izzu Izari wal Kibriya Uridai." فَمَنْ يُنَازِعُنِي عَذَبْتُهُ That status and honor is my cloak, and kibir is my cloth. Yani Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says He has these attributes. فَمَنْ يُنَازِعُنِي عَذَبْتُهُ Whoever tries to compete with me in, in having arrogance and having status, I'll punish him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who's deserving of being arrogant. He's a mutakabbir, al-jabbal, he's a tyrant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves that. Us, we're just human beings. We're going to die one day. We're going to be in the ground. You have to remind yourself of this. One day I'm going to die. Eventually, one day I'm going to die. A hundred years from now, me, my family, we're all going to be dead. So what's, what's, what's going to help me in the long run? Sincerity. Doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Doing it for the right reasons, doing it the way Muhammad did it. And you remind yourself of the punishment of arrogance. That the Prophet Muhammad he tells us, that the first people to be punished on the day of judgment is a martyr, somebody who died fighting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a half of the Quran, an alim, a scholar, somebody who studied, who taught people. High, imagine how many of us would be afraid to, 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 to die in battle. So scary. How many of us would spend a whole life seeking knowledge, learning Quran? And the third person is somebody who gave all, all his wealth, all his types of wealth. They did great things. But they're going to be the first people in the hellfire. Before Fir'aun. Before Abu Lahab. Why? Because they, they had this, they did it for other people. They did it for Kibr. Think of the how 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 much think of how much they struggled, and how much it bit them after it. It would have been better for them to do little deeds sincere than do this great deeds with kibbut, with shirk. So you remind yourself of this: that in the end of the day, in the long run, it's going to be against me. I'm working against myself. Everything I do, everything I do is going to be against me if I have arrogance with it. So you remind yourself of this, and like the like I told the brother, have a few actions that you keep between you and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That nobody knows except you. Yes. Uh, so when you're talking about the wizard, um, are you supposed to pray wizard right after um, Isha? Uh, that's, that's, for some, for some madahib, yes. But some you can pray after Salat al-Layh. But yes, you can pray after Isha. No, I miss it all.
So you can motivate him? So you're asking, uh, is it okay if you have somebody who memorizes Quran, but he's just doing the bare minimum, and you won't have the, you have the motivation to perfect your Quran? And you feel like if you tell him, it'll push him to perfect your Quran as well. Nah, that's good. If you know this person very well and you know this is how it's going to work, then nah, it's very good. And inshallah, you get the ajr for motivating him. Because Prophet Muhammad he said, Mandala al khayr the one who facilitates good, who leads people to do good, is the same as the one who, who actually did the deed. So if you, if you have this intention that let me tell him this because I know this person, if I'm perfecting, he's going to perfect too. Then inshallah, if he does it, then inshallah you get the, deed, you get the reward as well. Yes. Yes. Now, so the, the brother is asking, how do you divide your time between learning Arabic and memorizing Quran? So the best thing is to see that if you can combine between the two. If you have the time to combine between the two. And when we say combine between the two, you do of the Quran what's obligatory. Fatiha. You have some surahs that you know how to recite in salah that you can switch between to keep your salah engaged. If you have that, then if you can add learning Arabic that will help you understand the Quran, this is better. If you can combine between the two. If you can't, then ideally, ideally you would learn Arabic to whatever will make it easier for you to understand the Quran. Because understanding the Quran always is better to, than to just to recite. Yani the Quran was revealed to be understood. But if like the companions, the way that they used to learn Quran was that they would take 10 ayat, just 10, recite it properly, understand it, and apply it. When they have those 10 ready, then they take 10. They didn't finish the Quran, they have no idea what they're reading, no idea, it's, it could be a different language, it wouldn't matter. Then they come back, then they learn the meaning, it was like this. They, they learned the Quran to understand it. It took him 11 years to memorize Surah Al-Baqarah. 11 years to memorize Surah Al-Baqarah. Because Surah Al-Baqarah, there's a lot of rulings. Divorce, inheritance, you have to understand all the stuff before you move on. So they used to recite the Quran to understand it, and when you understand it, to apply it. The Quran is a manual to how to live your life. Not something where you just read for barakah. It's good, you get reward, but that's not the whole meaning. If that was the case, the Quran could be revealed in any language that nobody understood on earth, and we just recited for barakah. It could be gibberish, we just recited for barakah. But Allah revealed it in a language that people understood it. Why? So that you know, that you understand, that you ponder, that you think about it. So ideally, you try to combine between the two. If not, you memorize, and then whatever you can take from Arabic to understand. You don't have to be a mufassir, but to understand the meaning. Like, what does it mean? Allahu samad, what is the samad? General things, and the more you understand the Quran, the, the better your prayer will be. You have a lot of benefits. The higher your man will be, that you know that it's a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that will keep you firm. He said one more question. Can we take it? Last one. Last one. Start. You mentioned previously that the Sahaba were very wealthy people. So what exactly did they um, do? Like 
So he's asking that the wealthy Sahaba, how did they generate their income? The ones who were very wealthy, how did they generate their income? The majority of them, they were merchants. They used to go to the market and trade. That they would buy, they would sell, they would go to a sham. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He says, Leela fi Quraysh, ila fihim, Security of Quraysh. Their security is in the trip in the summer and the winter. They would go have two trips in the year. They used to go to Sham, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Palestine. And they used to go to Yemen. They used to make those two trips. Then they bring back a lot of stuff, clothes, utensils. Then they would trade it. So Uthman, merchant. Abdurrahman ibn Auf used to be a merchant. To the point that when he was... When he had to, when he, when the companions were making hijrah, he was kicked out of his house. They took all his wealth, and he went to Medina. When the when the muhajirin they got to Medina, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam he he partnered all the muhajirin with Ansari in Medina. Each one had a brother in, in Ansar. They used to live with them. To the point that the, at, in the beginning of Islam, if your brother from the muhajir died or Ansari, you could inherit from him. Like a family member. Then that was abrogated. But they built this brotherhood. So Abdurrahman ibn Auf, his brother from the Ansar was Sa'd ibn Rabi'ah. Wealthy person. He had money. He had two wives. So he told Abdurrahman ibn Auf, you came here, you have nothing. I'll give you half of my money. And I'll divorce one of my wives, you can marry her. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, he said, show me where the market. He said, dulluni ala suq. He said, thank you, but show me where the market is. Then he went to the market and he made his back his money. Then the Prophet saw him, very nice clothes, very misc. He told him, I got married. So the point is that he was very good in business, that he made his money back in the market. So a lot of them were merchants. A lot of them, they made their money from jihad. They used to have ghanimah. And the, ones, the Prophet said, if you kill somebody in jihad, you take what, what he has, his shield, his weapons, whatever. And the Prophet used to divide at the end, in the end of Islam when the, when the Muslims conquered a lot They conquered a place called Khaybar And they didn't conquer it But they made a treaty with the, with the Jews That whatever used to come from there The agriculture That the Muslims would take some of it A percentage So the Muslims they got a lot of money from that So a lot of the money would come from market From jihad Different places But majority of them was merchants Or they used to get it from, from battles <laughs> No more questions It's up to, up to him uh, was it true that Muslims like uh, saved the Jews from like getting wiped out from the Christians? Some he's asking that is it true that the Muslims saved the Jews from getting wiped out from the Christians? Some of the some of the Jews during this in in, in Andalus, because Andalus was under the Muslims for a long time, yeah. from the time of the Banu Umayyah, around 700, for almost 700 years it was under Muslim control. Then the Catholics slowly came and took over. Then they had an Inquisition. I mean, if you weren't Catholic, you're going to be killed. They used to test people, are you Catholic, are you this, are you that? If they didn't, they'd be killed. So a lot of Muslims left. A lot of Muslims were tortured, and a lot of Jews left. So when they left Spain from the Inquisition, they sought refuge with the Ottomans. So maybe this is what we're talking about. That the Ottomans, they gave refuge to the Jews that were running away from the Catholics. So no more questions, inshallah, but the brother said we'll do, inshallah, five to seven takeaways. So... Just ask whoever has a takeaway. If anybody has something they took away from the lecture, inshallah, please share with everybody, inshallah. It could be a benefit, something you didn't know before, something maybe you, you have something that I didn't mention, something that I, I was wrong about, that you want to share with everybody.
No. One takeaway that I took was that you mentioned never be complacent in life or be content at being where you are. Um, so I just found that to be very interesting because that's the same advice that a lot of the people that I know who are always trying to better themselves, they always think the same thing. Nah, it's very good advice. Even the Prophet Muhammad needed good company. How about you? It, it, it's very easy to, to be surrounded. Don't think that you're, I'm an individual. I'm this. A lot of us are products of our environments. A lot of us. Nah. Nah. And anything. Not only in deen, in anything you do in life. Everything you do, if you go to the gym, business, have a goal, have a vision. Think of what you want to do. And your vision, if it's very good, it's going to motivate you, it's going to move you. And if you want to get in business and you say, I just want to make 50K, it's not going to be out the bed in the morning. But if you have a vision, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a billionaire, you're going to have a different type of motivation to get up. You're going to have extra stringer stuff. You're going to push you. But if your vision is just boring, you won't have that. And vision is just the ideal, what you want to be. What makes it real is the goals. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And inshallah, I'll get there. No. Nah. One thing I'll remind everybody inshallah, that when you do your vision, when you do your goals, there's going to be days where it's not going to go as you plan, inshallah. So don't let this discourage you. That this is something that's going to take five, ten years, inshallah. <laughs>